exactly. Okay, got it. Yep. Sweet. All right. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. On today's show, I'm really pleased to be speaking with Sally Kellett, who is the founder of Mirasuna, an urban mindfulness and meditation studio in Melbourne. Sally, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so you're into mindfulness and meditation. This sounds like the perfect um, uh, topic to be discussing when we're dealing with teachers who are feeling stressed and overwhelmed and they're trying to plan their exit strategy, but they still need to stay in the workplace, you know, until they finally leave. And they've got so much going on, they can't focus enough to actually plan how they're going to leave, like apply for jobs, think about what they actually want out of life, all of those things. So how could you help them, Sally, in that situation? First of all, I just wanted to start by saying I was there. I was at a point of burnout in my professional career as well. I was in technology, I was in sales, and I was dealing with big government and education accounts. Um, or clients, you could say. And I spent two years miserable almost where I was desperate to get out. And I was so burnt out where I had nothing left to give physically, emotionally, mentally. I was so done. And I had this, I guess what I can share is my experience and how I navigated that with my mindset. And as someone who has been practicing meditation and mindfulness with many teachers since I was about 15, which is over half my life now, I was able to just have this wake-up call that, yeah, I need to draw on those skills and what I learned there to help me survive this burnout. Because the thing with with being in that situation is you know you can't quit today. You have to find a way to cope until you can get out. And then at the same time, it's overwhelming because you're trying to plan what that get-out path even looked like. And then what happens to you financially and physically when you are out? So I had to use my practice, which I would hope to share a bit more about today, to help me get out of that. And a lot of that was to do with mindset and mindfulness. So maybe I could just ask you, if you're willing, to share a little bit about what actually did happen, like what what was going on for you in the workplace that led to that situation? Mm. I entered the corporate workplace when I was 21. And it was in an industry that I never thought I would get into. I never thought I'd get into the tech industry. I always wanted my own business. When I was 21, I set myself a 10-year goal to have that. And I always wanted to do something of impact where I could help other people. But when you're 21, it's like, I don't know how many 21-year-olds really know what they want to do when they're 30. Um, So I decided to have a 10-year plan where I was going to stick it out and build the skills in the workplace for me to one day have my own business and when I hit mid-20s I finally like well actually in my early 20s I felt very empty I came to this realization that I felt really empty I had all this money I had all the you know I was climbing the career ladder I was very well loved at my workplace they invested heavily in me but I and I had everything society told me was important especially at such a young age but none of that meant anything to me. You know, it's like you just wake up one day and you think, oh, this is so odd. My parents worked so hard for me to have all this and I worked so hard to have all this. And then it's not even what, what you think it is. It doesn't even bring you happiness. 
And that revelation of emptiness was very difficult. It, it, like, I'm not a crier. I don't cry often, but I definitely had moments where I was brought to tears from this sadness that, why do I have so much, but I feel like I don't, like, none of this means anything to me. And then, um, and then in the end, I kind of, or in my mid-20s, with my third teacher, my Buddhist teacher, Jean, I realized, wow, okay, this whole time I was pursuing the wrong type of happiness. It, society wants you to have this hedonic way of living where it's just pleasure and reward and then it's all so short-lived and you buy a house, you buy a car, you buy your bags and whatever it is. None of that actually makes you happy. It's actually this eudaimonic happiness that I realized that is what I needed to pursue. And that is happiness that comes from the inside. It's when you find meaning and purpose in your life. And so when I found that, I thought, I've got to share this with the world. That's what my business needs to be about. That's what my life needs to be about. And then this is when the burnout started to happen because I realized these things and I wanted so much more in life that I felt stuck where I was. And even though I was getting pay rises and earning more and more money at that time, I just thought, oh my goodness, this, I'm just so stuck. How do I get out of here? And then I spent the next few years building Marisuna physically, emotionally, mentally, it all came together, but I still had a job. And that was probably the two most grueling years of my professional career is surviving that mentality of being stuck. Right. So, so you, you felt stuck in the corporate world, but at the same time you were beginning to create the next thing and it took two years. So how did you... Yeah. How did you navigate that? Like I, I just, I, I could just imagine you, like for the people who are only listening and can't see, Sally looks pretty gorgeous and she's got, you know, she's wearing really, like she looks very well-dressed and um, I just feel like I could just imagine it would be so easy in that corporate world where there's an expectation of coming across in a particular way that you would just get so easily distracted by go and buy a new pair of shoes or, you know, go into the city and get, a nice jacket or whatever and then kind of coming home and working on your other thing which is completely different and very kind of not in that 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 materialistic space at all it must have been such a disconnect for you it was and I felt that disconnect every day and that is something I had to mentally work through is what are the expectations people put on you on who you should be how you should be what you should be versus who you truly are and so I, I actually noticed physically I started looking different at work. I used to wear my heels every day. I wore heels for like, I don't know, seven years of my life. Um, heels, pencil skirts, you know, and, I, you know, I was always dressed really well. And don't get me wrong, I still was towards this time of my career, but I started making better choices for myself. It started to become more about comfort. I stopped wearing heels. I actually wore flats for the last two years of my corporate career, unless if I was going out to, you know, networking events. And that was because I started caring about my body more. You know, okay. I wanted to make sure that I'm sitting after my hips because females wearing heels your whole life, it ain't good for you. No, so right. I started and, you know, with makeup and stuff, you know, I always make sure I'm well presented. I look clean. I look fresh and stuff. I think that's just a respect thing to to not just myself, but to my clients, you know, showing up, making sure you, you look decent and stuff, um, like not rocking up in my PJs. <laughs> um, so that was all good. But I think what was really hard for me was the expectation of continuously climbing the ladder and and 
really making sure, because in the corporate world, people want want you to be climbing the ladder. And if you're not, apparently you're lazy or you're not motivated or something's wrong. And mm. so it was having to keep up with that appearance and also emotionally feeling engaged with the work that I was doing. I also changed where I put my money. So, yeah, I really like how you said that in that world, there's like a certain upkeep. I actually changed where I put my money. So instead of putting my money into new clothes, new coats and stuff, I kind of made do with what I had and still, you know, changed it around a bit. But I actually put most of my money in building my business. Mm. And I was so happy doing that. I stopped buying materialistic things. I put my investment strategy on hold. I love property investing. And one of the things is I did my real estate course as well. I just love it. But I put all of that on hold as well. I put all my money, every dollar, into building Mirasuna. And that gave me so much satisfaction. Mm, mm. And I can hear that in your voice. You know, there's a real animation as you're telling that story. So can you paint us a picture of what what is Mirasuna? Tell us about that. Yeah. Mirasuna is a busy person's way of and a space of relaxing and switching off. Because I found that, well, I believe that everyone should have access to mindfulness and meditation, just this space to come home to themselves to rest. But I also found that, unfortunately, the Western way of meditation and mindfulness was presented as this really woo-woo and inaccessible thing where, you know, it's like hippies chanting om, burning candles and sage in a circle, wearing certain clothes and so forth. And that made mindfulness and meditation very inaccessible to mm. the everyday person. And given I was from that world, I wanted to change that. And so I built this place where it's physical and online and it's more of a community more than anything, where it gives people the time and space to completely switch off and learn how to switch off. It wasn't just a place where people would come and feel fully um, and, and feel like they treated themselves. And yes, it is that but it's very educational in its approach. We give people techniques and mindset changes in order to be able to live a better life for themselves and mm. come home to what is really important. You know, what is it that they want? How is it that they want to be? And how do we start to see and acknowledge and honor our emotions on the whole spectrum as opposed to do what society tells us to do and shut away some of the things that apparently aren't so good? or aren't as favoured in society. Mm. And so is the you, your business, is it a physical place or do, how do you operate? Yeah, it's a physical space in South Melbourne, uh, in Victoria. Uh, it started off as that and then we have also transitioned to be online as well because our community has grown beyond just Victoria. Mm. So we want to make sure everyone around Australia can also access our services. Mm. And, yeah. and worldwide, have you got any clients outside of Australia? We do have some clients outside of Australia that are more engaged with us on a talking level and um, they follow our work as opposed to joining the calls just yet because of time zone problems. Yeah. But people always say that through our podcast, like that we do with other people like this or reading our blogs or just seeing our posts have has already really started to change their lives because we like to give people little little tips and little activities to do mm. during the day for themselves. Right. Okay. So we will be able to share all of this information in the show notes for this episode. So if anyone's interested in 
finding out about the website or can you just share your website just so if, if they're listening they can just hear that yeah yeah it's just mirasuna.com and mirasuna is m-i-r-o-s-u-n-a and mirasuna actually means create space for change oh that's lovely i love that what language is that in I actually made up the word because no word in any vocab dictionary, uh, any language summed up how I wanted you to feel when you interacted with Mirasuna. So Mirasuna is actually made of three words. And when combined, the meaning means create space for change. Okay. Oh, I love that. I love that you made up your own word for that. It's it's perfect. <laughs> when there's no perfect word, just make one up. I love it. It's, um, I, I've been listening to that, you know, there's all these, um, uh, sites where they they share words from other like you know languages outside of English where there's a very specific meaning for you know it's like the mm. the um uh, is it shade and fraud the, the the joy you get when someone else fails that kind of word you know it's a very specific um and I love that that Mirasuna is about creating space for positive change that's lovely okay so I'd love you to share something with our listeners. So they might be right now driving to work, listening to this or out for a walk. I usually listen to my own podcast when I'm out walking to the gym. Um, <laughs> and um, and it's good to listen back, you know, because I'm in the conversation, but then sometimes I go, oh, what, did, what actually happened in there, you know? And so I like to listen back. But um, what would be one thing that we could do now for someone? We don't want them to run off the road if they're driving, but that to help them to create some space in their mind for their future self, for that, that thinking for the future. Could you share a strategy mm. with us to do that? Mm. Yeah, this is something I personally did as well when I was driving to work every day. Um, I would, in the morning especially, because I knew, like, when your heart is already somewhere else, you wake up every day feeling, I oh. have to do this. Again. <laughs> yeah, you just gave me goosebumps remembering those moments. Absolutely. That's so true. Yeah. Every day you wake up with that feeling. And so my tip when you're driving right now is just to come back to yourself. Just take this moment where obviously you're still focusing on the road, but just take a deep breath and just come back to your purpose and your why. Take that deep breath and acknowledge, okay, I am going to work. It's okay because I am working on something bigger. And when you have that internal acknowledgement on what that bigger may be, maybe you don't even know what it is yet, that's okay. You just know you're working on something bigger. You know, just taking that deep breath in and say, yes, I'm working on something bigger. This is simply a means to an end. Mm -hmm. My drive right now to work today, the whole of today, and everything that happens today Everything that happens, everything that is said, everything I encounter, everything I experience, it is all part of my journey. It is a means to an end. Every day I am working closer and closer to my purpose. I love that. That's really helpful to me, actually, too, just going, okay, this this podcast recording is a means to an end, working closer to my purpose, which is, you know, to help teachers leave well if they're going to leave. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And I, and I think that is really something that anyone could do in just about any context and be able to just have that internal um, thought process going on in the background that enables them to get through the day. Nice one. Okay, so 
I often use, uh, I have an avatar named Donna, who is, um, she's in her early 50s. She wants to leave teaching. She's stressed. She's overwhelmed. She doesn't know what she wants to do next. And the Sunday after, a lot of the teachers in, in the US call it the Sunday scaries, you know, where their whole day is kind of ruined by the prospect of having to go back to work on Monday, which is so, so sad, isn't it, that one-seventh of your week is destroyed <laughs> because you're so stressed about the rest of the week. So how would you advise someone or what strategy would you give to someone who's in that situation and they maybe it's Sunday and they're, they they probably haven't done all the, the homework that they set for themselves for the weekend. I used to have a colleague who would take home this giant cart of marking to do and put it in oh. her boot every, you know, Friday night and then just bring it back again on Monday and she would never oh. touch it. But the guilt, you know, that she felt for not doing okay. it, but it was just, you know, she couldn't face it. Um, so how would you? How would you advise? Sorry, you may, it's making me laugh thinking about her because it was it was a, like a running joke in the school that she would just take her. Well, I'd call it her guilt bag, you know, because she would just take it, put it in the car, and, and then bring it back the next day. Um, oh no! So <laughs> I'm sure there are many, many listeners um, totally resonating with that story. So how would you advise someone who's in that situation mm. where? They just can't face what's coming, um, but they, you know, they still have to get out of bed and go and function. How do you get through the Sunday? Yeah, personally, I, I, I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you spend all Sunday mulling over Monday and you're dreading it, and it's almost traumatic. It's almost traumatic coming up to Sunday because you know that that's how you're going to feel. Mm-hmm. And so I would do two things. I would do something physical, which I loved. I would just find something that I loved. Because then I can mentally start retraining my brain to associate Sundays with something positive. Mm -hmm. So I would start to schedule friends' dinners on Sunday night. And they're like, why are we meeting on a Sunday night? We've got work tomorrow. I'm like, don't worry, guys. Like, we're still young, wild, and free. And even if you're 70, you're still young, wild, and free. It does not even matter. Age is not a thing. Um, And they're like, oh, okay. So I would actually plan some activities on Sunday. I would spend Sunday morning waking up to a good breakfast, take my dog for a walk, and then I would just kind of chill around, do some planning on Sunday. I like using Sunday as my planning day for my life and kind of think about what I want to do in my life as I'm planning my exit because that is very important. It is really important to plan your exit and to give yourself space for that. And then come Sunday night, I'll do something I love, whether it's an escape room or hanging out with my friends, going to the market, cooking a nice dinner for myself and my husband. There are so many good things that you can do in life. Why sit there mulling in my misery that I know was coming? (laughs) So I started to retain my brain to associate Sundays with something positive instead of something bad. And then I started changing my mindset as well with what I uh, mentioned before is just knowing that going to work Monday to Friday, that's okay. That is just part of the process. Mm. And every day that I get through, every week it's just another week down and I knew that because I did the planning and the actioning around my plan every week I was moving towards finding my next my next move Mm. my next goal you know but I do want to say that it did get to a point for me where I couldn't even sustain that anymore things got so bad I really, oh, I got to a point where I just really couldn't, I couldn't be with my employer anymore at that point. Like just ethically, 
we were not on the same page. And I felt like it got to a point where I was trading, well, I was basically selling my soul to the devil because I was earning money. But then I really didn't enjoy what I was doing. And ethically, that just wasn't my jam. That's, you know. Mm, okay. Um, so it did get really bad. And for listeners who are at that point, it comes to a point where I literally had to sit down and think, can I financially afford to quit my job? I had no job in the middle of, as in I had a job in COVID. I quit my job in the middle of the pandemic because things got so bad. After two years of burnout, things got so bad that I just had to go. And so I, I evaluated my situation. Do I have enough money? How much money do I have? How long is that going to support me for if I couldn't find another job in the middle of a pandemic? By the way, Mirasuna had already opened at this point or was trying to open in the middle of six lockdowns in Victoria. I was already paying rent. All my outgoings had started. And so I did the boldiest move of my whole career after thorough evaluation and a lot of um, a lot of mental talk, mental Re, uh, what is it? Reinforcement, reaffirmations, all of that stuff. And I quit my job. There's nothing to go to. And a lot of that was mindset and planning and gearing up myself for this day that I knew would come like two years ago. Yeah, yeah, nice one. And just as you were talking about that, I was thinking like I often ask people uh, when I'm working with a client, coaching them about getting out of teaching. Do you have backup? So have you got someone else in your life who would support you or, you know, give you a place to live if you had had to, you know, you couldn't pay your rent or whatever? Mm. Um, do you have a buffer, like a bit of money in the bank that will get you through the next few months? And then um, do you know your bottom line? So what's the, the, so it's the three Bs. What's the bottom line? How much money do you need every month to survive? And have you got enough money in the bank to cover those big things that come like your car rego and your, I don't know, your house insurance or whatever, the, the, the big expenses that come regularly, but you can predict they're going to come. And it shouldn't be a surprise to you. I, my car rego always comes in October. I know when it's coming. The insurance is the same time. October is a bad month. So I just know, you know, set aside some, some funds for that. And so I guess planning that in a, at a really practical level, then it gives you power over the situation, doesn't it? That's right. So crucial. And it's good that you're helping people with that transition because I think sometimes things can get so overwhelming that you forget to organize what's practical, but mm. you really need that. You need to be able to back yourself. And, you know, I definitely wasn't in a situation where my partner could support me indefinitely. No, like I was, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that I could stand on my two feet. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a crucial part. Okay. So, I'm going to ask you one final question. Sally, what's your favourite song? My favourite song, I have many, but the one that comes to mind is Sammy Johnson and um, the song is called Give Me All. And I don't really know the lyrics, but basically the main lyric is give me all of your love. And he keeps singing that throughout it. And it's kind of like a Fiji Island vibe song that was played at my wedding as well. And the reason why I love that song is because it reminds me to give everything my all. And I think that is just so important when you work from a place of passion is you think about the world around you, all of its people, all of, you know, just everything that you touch. How can you give everything your all? Mm. And how do you dedicate your life's work to helping other people in the world around you? So that song really reminds me of giving everything my all. 
Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that, Sally. And thank you very much for coming on the Get Out of Teaching podcast today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, thank you so much. <laughs>